sport-social.co.uk Welcome back to FPL Masterclass. I'm your host, Haydar Rabani. I'm joined by Rob Blanchett, as always. Guys, give us a follow on at TF Masterclass. Give myself a follow on at Haydar underscore Rabani. And give Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. As you can see, if you're watching us on YouTube, it's very, very sunny here in Dublin. So, uh, Rob, I can't complain. It's a nice day. I am complaining, though, about last week because I had an absolute shocker. Been doing very, very well. Hitting my averages, 33 points. Wasn't a good one. Dropped quite a lot of uh, places in a couple of my leagues. And I was just tinkering a little bit too much. I feel like FPL is a real minefield this season. You know, even before we've come on air today, you know, Chelsea now suddenly have uh, a double. United have a blank now against Liverpool. There's all these all these games are just popping up and, and teams are losing games as well. There's, there's blanks. It's really, really hard right now to, one, plan your chips because I had three of my chips left that I want to do what I want to use and I want to plan them. But it's also very, very difficult in terms of knowing who to bring and who not when you don't know what the schedule is going to be like. Yeah. And this is why I said, I think in our last show, last couple of shows, actually that FPLs, this is where it starts to get a bit tricky because I think all of the cancellations that we had kind of over Christmas, either for weather or for COVID and, and all those big chunks. Now these games are going to have to be squeezed in so it's difficult for the Premier League to do that. Obviously, around Champions League matches, we've seen for the first time ever that Premier League matches have featured on nights where Champions League has been played. So that's a new thing as well. So you need to squeeze those game weeks in. Um, but there's still ways to exploit. You know, I had a really good week last week. And we'll, we'll talk through that. And the week before that, I was still above the average, but was below maybe people like yourselves, Haydo, that had a much better week. You know, like, you know, I think I got like 100 points. You got kind of like 120s, 130s. So I, I did have faith that this next week that we had here in game week 27, that that would balance itself out. And thankfully for myself, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's what we always say, play the percentages. And I, I think yeah. in some ways, my week before, my weeks before last week, have been very good that they almost supplement don't they the loss they but do. i need to get back onto it and it's it's very difficult even i'm sitting here we, we spoke off air it's going to be a last minute job this week isn't it it's going to be one yeah. of those where uh you wait right up to the deadline you know in the morning of uh of the deadline and you see who's playing who's not and it's very very difficult before we even go into that let's do a review of game week 27 and uh, you got 63 points so considerably above the average of 40 points uh, the highest was 107. Game week ranking, you were in the top, uh, you know, sort of 443,000. And uh, two free transfers. So not bad at all. You're looking at there, Son. I was very frustrated when I saw Son get that goal right at the end. And uh, he obviously got your returns. Laporte and Cancelo, both with clean sheets. Um, so all in all, decent. But I think the key one here I want to look at is uh, James, uh, sorry, not James Rodriguez, Jay Rodriguez. Obviously, you took a punt on him. I took a punt on Eric Peters. Didn't play, didn't really work, did it? Burnley, Veghorst got a couple of points. Ben Mee got a couple of points. So really, you know, obviously last week we said, should we? Should people be 
putting a lot of emphasis emphasis on Burnley. They did a Watford essentially, didn't they? And, and they didn't give returns. That's it. It's the Josh King factor, as I as I thought at the time. I think it's one of these things. You, know, you talk there about tinkering, and that's always, I think, the the thing that causes smoke and fire in FPL. You know, when we tinker too much, we start to lose points because the good work that we've done week after week after week to build our squads up to be strong starts to be it starts to erode away because we we start fancying other players. We look at kind of other players. So right, can we exploit that? So that's that's typical of FPL. I think everyone does that to an extent. Just reviewing my team here and kind of correlating how that works. Um, game week rank is around four hundred forty thousand. Don't really look at that too much, and it's not not overly important. My overall rank though is slipping because the top now is so tight that literally four, five, six, seven points is the difference between twenty thousandth and being two thousandth. It really is. There's like nothing in it now. So if you have a week where you're 10 points off the pace, you're going to drop 5,000 places if you're near the top. So this is kind of how I'm thinking. Now it's gone up there. Total players gone up over 9 million. So it shows that even now, some people are starting FPL for the first time ever. You know, it's, it's kind of strange late in the season, but you do get new players for the whole campaign and people are doing that now. So it's topped the 9 million mark. I think it started off around 8.3 million at the start of the season. But just looking at my numbers and my players, the big thing for me was to bank those Liverpool players. So you can see my bench and you can see obviously there as well, uh, Ramsdale, Arsenal. I just kept them because I could have changed them out. And I'm sure lots of people did. You know, some people were tweeting me saying they weren't going to sit on them. They were going to sell them and reinvest that money and take the points hit. But what's the point when the average points are 40? just not worth it it's not worth you losing four points four points four points it just is not be smart so 63 points I was happy with that the only change I really made the most important one for me was that I got rid of Jota because uh, no, sorry not Jota um, uh, at, uh, from Man United I'm losing my mind here um, Dallow Dallow sorry Joga Dallow getting my Portuguese players mixed up suddenly there. And I got rid of him and I brought in Livramento. And for me, that gamble paid off massively because I think um, Joga uh, only got, he got two points or one point. He didn't, he didn't play, play in the end, did he? No, so he got nothing play. in the end. So I said that, I think, in our last show. I was, like, I was worried that looking at the fullback situation at Man United, that he couldn't really call it. So it's better to pull out. So I brought Livermento back in, got me eight points. I was like, thank you. So that was a big swing for me. If you take eight points off that 63, it's suddenly much, much closer to the average. So this is kind of how we're going to play it and think now going forward is just try and nitpick and look for those kind of little gains because that's going to take you to the next level. There's going to be no big swings here. There's No, no one's going to put a, a top player in and get way ahead of the curve because we're too late in the season for that. I tried it, as you said, a little bit there with Jay Rodriguez. He had a double game week, but he was so cheap. I was all right with it because I'm happy to like dump him on my bench now for this week. So that was that gamble there. But I think overall, as you said, it's starting to get really, really tough now because squeezing the gains out of players is becoming more difficult. Yeah, I think one player that really sort of rocked my game week, and I'm looking now, obviously, at the graphic on the screen, and this is from um, the FPL Scout. And this is, as we do every single week, the team at the top has the, the best fixtures and going down the sliding scale, the teams at the bottom have the worst. And Tomato for me, Rob, was a big injury. 
Um, I've had Semedo pretty much all season. I've mm. taken him in, in and out a few times, but he's given me some fantastic returns at only 4.8 million as well. Um, but when we look at the, the game week 28, the real key teams here are Wolves, Leeds, Chelsea, Watford, Newcastle, Villa, Norwich, and Southampton. You can see, obviously, there's a couple of blanks uh, in game week 13. We, we will address that. But having a look at this, I mean, look at Wolves' run. Palace, Watford, Everton, Leeds, and then Villa. You've got to probably be, be looking at some of that, especially the defence, because I believe that I'm not sure if Wolves have still got the best defence. It might be City now, but they have had such a mean defence all season. We'll talk about some of their defensive options in a bit. But if you're going to go and start gambling on double game weeks, you can't really go much wrong much wrong than going for some of Wolves' defensive players. Maybe not the attacking players because they've actually scored, I believe, the, the third uh, least goals in the Premier League this season. Yeah, obviously, I think Wolves' system of playing a kind of 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 um, just lends itself to wing-backs. So they've got wing-backs, they use them. And as you just said about Semedo, you know, he's been a, a, a consistent attacking player for Wolves, getting you clean sheets at one end, but also getting you the odd assist and goal at the other end. I think when you look at the next three or four weeks now, and we talked about how tough it's going to become, that blank game week that's now kicked in for 30, obviously would have been cancellations, is a big problem because it shows that even though you go down the list, there's some teams that have got some good doubles. So I wish we talked about Liverpool there. Liverpool got doubles coming up there with Man United and Arsenal. They've, uh, sorry, not Man United, Arsenal, Brighton and Arsenal, and they've lost the Man United fixture. That makes them a little bit less attractive. But of course, with City and Liverpool, you need to still have those players in there somewhere, which is why I didn't sell them last week. But just looking at the top end, and you mentioned it at the top of the show, the big change has been Chelsea. So Chelsea have now been given that extra game week there with Norwich in this week. So you've got Burnley, Norwich, next week, Newcastle. That's very nice. That's three really good fixtures. So when I was doing the planning for this show, uh, I was looking at that. And my first bit of, the, of uh, my spiel was going to be, don't buy into Chelsea because they've got a blank game week coming up and no doubles. Suddenly they've got a double. They look like a good option. So Burnley and Norwich, you would not expect to score against Chelsea. You could say that. I know I've probably just jinxed them. Um, Chelsea themselves have had problems at the other end. You know, how are they scoring goals this year? Well, we know Romelu Lukaku is still somewhere in Milan in Italy. He hasn't really turned up in London yet, has he? So I think at his price range, we don't really want to consider him. But I think when we look at Chelsea compared to the other teams, like you just said, they're Wolves. Wolves look really, really good. We'll talk a little about Leeds as well. Obviously, a new manager coming in. So is there going to be a new manager bounce? But just going down the list there and just kind of popping out two or three bits. Aston Villa there, Southampton, Leeds and West Ham. And then also Southampton them themselves with Villa, Newcastle, Watford. So it's almost like looking at trebles now, Haydar. You know, you've got the double game week, which is what you're you're trying to exploit this week. But you've now got to look into the next week as well, because this is how you're going to play it. And this is how you're going to win it. I think there's one team that's got two doubles so a double double. And that's Newcastle. So Newcastle have got Brighton and Southampton this week. Not a bad option there. And then the week after, Chelsea, Everton. Everton do leak goals. So again, you could, if you've got wild cards or you have got free hits and you want to kind of plan for the next few weeks, there's definitely an opportunity there for you to use them. I Yeah, I'd be very hesitant. I mean, I've got my 
I've got a free hit, I've got a wild card, I've got a bench boost. Uh, so I, I'm looking at this double game week, and I think I actually I'm actually looking at my squad, and they've all got pretty decent fixtures. I mean, obviously Liverpool, we can see they're you know not with the easiest one against West Ham, but you'd expect Liverpool really to win. City are another one. I mean, let's touch on those two teams because obviously the most successful people in the game at the minute have have built their sides around those two sides, are the two best sides in the league. Would you be shipping out one of them because? City haven't really been hitting for in terms of attacking returns. I mean, I, I captured Mares last week and I was like, you know what, Red Mares, he's in really, really good form. I had Foden as vice captain. I was thinking about taking Foden out. In the end, I took Saka out for, for Mares uh, and didn't give me returns. Cancelo did, but City aren't really hitting hit, hitting the heights that we we expect them to. And in terms of returns as well, it's not scoring a heck of a lot of goals, are they? It's a difficult one, Hader, because they're going to win the league. So at some point, they're going to they're going to smash someone. It's just the way it goes, and you're going to have the numbers there. It is getting more difficult because of the Champions League. So with the Champions League coming up, you will just see the City, uh, like particularly, but also Liverpool to an extent, will rotate. So that's a problem. You might see with Liverpool as they did earlier on the their two their two fullbacks who are the most vital players in Liverpool's team outside of Salah. They get rested, they go and sit on the bench. So, of course, that takes points from us. I think with Man City, the difficult thing with them is the prediction side of it of who's going to be the player on that day who does something. So, early part of the season, Bernardo Silva. It's just very easy. Bernardo Silva played more as a number 10, got goals and assists. He was relatively cheap. You bought him. And if he didn't play, you lived with it, you know, for a seven, eight million pound player. But now you're looking at the top end of it. And as you just said there, Riyad Mahrez, you don't really know when he's going to start. He might he might not start for six games in a row. So that is a problem. I've got Phil Foden in my team. I've stuck with him. I've got Cancelo in my team. I've stuck with him. But I've also got Laporte. And there is a chance that Laporte will be the guy that I trade out this week for a Chelsea player. And that will be simply because, not because of form and what you were talking about there, but it's just when you look at City's run and you look at their fixtures, Man United and then no double, Palace, and then no double, and then a blank. Now, Laporte still might get more than every Wolves defender or every Leeds defender or every Arsenal defender at the very, very top here of this league. But that's a risk that you might have to take. You know, I think when you go forward, you want to exploit those doubles. There's a chance there, but you're not going to get rid of Laporte, say, for a Newcastle defender who will almost definitely get you, say, you know, two, 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 two you know, across those those two weeks. So you're going to get eight points. But then what happens if they get a yellow card? What happens if they ship five goals? So there's a problem there, isn't there, of doing it. You've got to just do it, I think, as I said, with a bit of pragmatism. And it's more of a calculated gamble. If Trippier was fit, I'd be moving him in. But barring 100%. that, I wouldn't have touched any. I wouldn't really touch any of the, the players. Not that Newcastle haven't. I mean, they've been fantastic, haven't they, under Eddie Howe? He's really turned the corner, but... You know, without Kieran Chipria, who was uh, giving returns at, at both ends of the pitch, I, I wouldn't be touching them. Yeah. Um, but let's move on, Rob, <clears throat> and let's drill a little bit deeper into Chelsea. So, actually, really good fixtures, and I, I've I've haven't had Chelsea players in for a while now. Obviously, after we saw that we we fought, you know, we looked forward and we saw that they had a couple of blanks here and there, but now they've come back into contention. And you're looking at the the defenders that they have. Obviously, you've got Rudiger. Expensive, 6.1. He's their top uh, scoring defender. Thiago Silva's interesting, 5.6. Um, much actually, much cheaper than I thought it'd be. I thought he'd be hitting the 6 million mark. Reese James is back now. We saw him come on 
against Liverpool in the EFL Cup final. You have Alonso as well, also 5.6 million, had decent returns. Aspilicueta looks like he's got a knock, but he might play. And then Chalabar as well, more of a essential defender. He would be your budget option, wouldn't he, uh, to come in? But when you're looking at these options, Thiago Silva is looking quite attractive, I think. And uh, he does offer you, you know, something in the opposition box as well in terms of heading ability and goals. Yeah, I think for Chelsea, when we talked about avoiding them over the last two or three or four weeks, it was obviously where they were playing in the World Club Championship, obviously the European uh, version of it, and, you know, become champions of the world. Well done, Chelsea. But I think it was more a case of when were they going to squeeze in this Premier League game. So now that we've got a double game week and we can at least see their next four, five, six fixtures, the, the temptation to dip into Chelsea increases totally. So I think that you just said there about uh, prices and about, you know, 5.6 million or Rudiger at the very top there at 6.1 are expensive. I disagree. I think this year defenders at that price range are value because they're getting more clean sheets. They affect the game more at the other end of the pitch. They get the bonus points as well, which is something that in years gone by would go to attacking players. So I think when you're looking at the 6.1s, the 5.6s and all of those in between, they now look like more value than when you compare them to the strikers in FPL this year. So the strikers this year at the very, very top. So let's talk Lukaku for a second. You know, 11.5 million, you're not going anywhere near that. Lukaku might score a hat-trick next week and you're still going nowhere near it because just way too big a risk to bring in a player at that price range. Ronaldo you, as well as the other are one. Are you going to go for a Ronaldo in the 12s or whatever around that mark? and risk that he might even get rested one game or even in one game where he plays but doesn't score. So I think this year the the formula seems to be like this. Strong goalkeeper and defence, creative midfielders and work, bobber job, cheap budget strikers. That seems to be the formula this year and it seems to work. So I think when you look at the teams at the very, very top of FPL, that's been the, the real shape of it. Why? Because this, there is no striker giving you value. The only striker you might go for at the very, very top end at the moment would be Harry Kane. But even there, there's a risk, isn't there? Because Tottenham are so bad. But I think when you look at uh, Chelsea here, we've got the defenders up there. I think you can look at any of those ones. I think um, Reese James, obviously, he's been out. He was in my team for a long time, had a really good start to the season, scoring goals and getting assists. He's due to come back the next game, but will he? I don't know. We, you have to really kind of look at Tuchel's presser a little bit for that. If we can kind of jump on to the midfielders, Haydar, and look at what Chelsea are offering there, it's difficult, isn't it? Uh, Kovacic, again, was a player that I had for a while at, at budget five million, very early in the season. Most people didn't have him. I think he had an ownership of around two or three, four. Yeah, he was, he was a great option. He was getting me points left, right and centre. And, and amazing until he got injured. And he still is a little bit injured. He I think he missed the last game. So there's a, di there's a difficulty there. I think he played 15, 16 minutes, something like that. When you look around the rest of them, you know, you look at Havertz at, at 7.8 million. Will he play as a false nine? Maybe, you know, will Lukaku come back in? That Does that mean Havertz plays deeper? Pulisic is starting to pick up minutes again now. I actually think that the real the real kind of steal here is Jorginho at 5.8 because he takes penalties. So you've got at least some guarantee there of someone that you might want to go with who will play every week and has some kind of input into scoring goals. So I think when you look at the rest of them, Mason Mount 7.5 million, 
No, there's other players around 7.5 million. The thing is, Ziyech was actually in, uh, was in very good, he has been in very good form of late, yeah. but obviously he's, there's no guarantee he's going to start. And yet, like you just said about Mount, 7.3, it's quite high. You can get better value for that. Exactly. And this is kind of where the numbers game comes into it. Even look at Kante at 4.9 million. If you had a place at the end of your bench and you had 5 million spare, Kante would be a nice little pickup. Because he does get the odd goal and assist. He, t- he doesn't just sit in front of the back four, does he? He does. He's progressive at times. So there are options there for you for Chelsea, but I think it's it's definitely defensive heavy and you've got to look at one of their defenders if you're going to do that. That's the way I'm looking at it. I think I probably will bring a Chelsea player in and it will be a defender. Moving on, and we've got a slide here. Just quickly touching it, these are a couple of the uh, price updates. You can see here <clears throat> you've got uh, Che Adams who's gone up. Uh, Salah's gone up as well. Benteke, Webster, Patterson, and Samaxima have gone down. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got Cody and Kane who have gone up as well. So let's just talk about that a little bit. What's what's that to you here? I think it shows here, uh, again, about form, isn't it? It's always about form. So we've talked there about uh, Wolves' defence. You can see it's why Cody's gone up. We just talked about Harry Kane. So obviously he's, he's hitting a little bit of form. Salah is just a no-brainer. I still get people tweeting me saying that they're not going to have Salah in their team. So, like, don't bother playing. Rob, really. the there's, a, there's, no who, way, uh, there's no way of, of winning this game or winning what you want to do without Salah this year. There really isn't yeah. because his numbers are too good. So he's the one player, 13.2 million, that is value. You know, and that's crazy at that price. It's very, very expensive. You're buying him now, that's a problem. That's why I bought him back early before the price went up. So when he was still at the end of the African Cup of Nations, um, there was a chance he wasn't going to play. And thankfully, he did. He actually did play in the end. It was He was rushed back in. But I think at the top there, I think Che Adams as well, I haven't kind of prepared much for him. And we're going to talk about one of his teammates a little bit later. But I think he's a really good option, Che Adams. He's really kind of come through. Seven million for me, a little bit pricey. But I think he's had kind of goal scoring or point scoring returns in five or six games in a row now. So he's very, very much in form. But when you look at the other players around, you can see players that are dropping off. So someone like Patterson, who had a little bit of a bump at Everton, he's going down. Webb's had a little bit of a bump. He's gone down. Benteke had a little bit of a bump at Palace. He's now going down. So they were, again, gambles, I think, from FPL uh, managers, which bumped their prices up. But now, unfortunately, you're on the slide. So Maximum, I think, has been injured, isn't he? So that's, yeah, again, yeah, another player. Injured. So again, like, you know, we just talked about Newcastle's double-double. If, if he was fit, so Maximum might be an option. Yeah, but I think it's so 6.8 again. Feels expensive, doesn't it? Where, you mm. know, when there's, when there's strikers around like Broya and Huang, and we'll talk a bit more about Huang in a minute, you know, around the five millions, doesn't it make sense to have those players in your team? Maybe put them on the bench if you don't want them in your starting eleven, but then have better midfielders and better defenders. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's move on now to just we're quickly going to touch on game week thirty. This is a blank game week, and it's going to be a problem, Rob. Look, you've got one, two, three, four, five. Uh, yeah, five fixtures. So, I mean, how do you sort of maneuver this if you haven't got a free hit, you haven't got a wild card? But these fixtures, I'm looking at them. I mean, look, Wolves versus Leeds. You know, I think Wolves are probably the strongest side there. We never know with the new manager bounce. Villa versus Arsenal. You expect Arsenal to win that. Leicester versus Brentford. Again, it could probably go either way, although Leicester did win uh, yesterday against Burnley. Spurs versus West Ham. Again, look, there, there could be goals in that. There could be not. Watford versus Everton as well. Two sides that are struggling. They're not really any standout fixtures, in my opinion. 
um, that warrants maybe someone going and using a wild card just so that they can have players playing this week. Don't waste a chip on any of this at all. Don't waste a chip. Someone will, but don't. Uh, I think what you should do is be aware of this blank game week. Don't sell any premium pieces because of the blank game week, but certainly look around your squad and maybe pick up players who will feature in this game week. So Wolves, as we just said there, and Leeds. This is why those two clubs have got the best fixtures, because they're featuring at least. We talked about Aston Villa as well. And I think Arsenal as well. Now, Arsenal got over their their blank game week from what they had before, uh, from their their cup uh, duties, that they're now a viable option again. But I think when you look at these these things, again, like Spurs, we talked about Son, West Ham, everyone knows about Bowen and obviously Antonio. And we talked about Watford as well before, about obviously their strikers and obviously Dennis is still there. Just make sure that you have some of these players in your squad. Do not waste points or chips to make that happen. But this is why you must look into the future. You must look two, three, four, five weeks ahead. And now we get towards the end of the season. You might even be looking six, seven weeks ahead, almost to the last game of the season and planning your squads that way. Now, now of course, the fixtures will change. So that is a problem. You might even lose one or two of these games at the moment might be pulled for whatever reason. You know, we know the Premier League moving, uh, moving the dates around like you wouldn't believe it. But... If you can go for these teams that are kind of like traditional mid-table teams or teams that are performing, say, in the top half, and you've got a few of their players in your stock, you should do very well on this game week. You should still hit the average or be well above it. So that's the other thing to see, Haydar. People will will mess this game week up and the average will drop. So when the average Mm. is normally 50 points, 60 points, the average will drop to 30. But if you're still getting your 40s and your 50s, you're going to be going up in your league rather than down. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Now let's talk about how can you buy into Wolves? Wolves have obviously got some fantastic fixtures. And uh, look, you can't really look much further if you're not buying into their, their defence than uh, Jose Sarr. Just looking at where he comes as as well in terms of his rankings and points compared to every other goalkeeper in the league, he's up there with Edison, top top performer. And considerably cheaper, you're looking down... Obviously, you've got Allison and De Gea and Ramsdale. We both got Ramsdale in our team, but um, I would, I, I would probably, if I didn't have Ramsdale, I'd be thinking right buy into Saab. But I think he's a little bit expensive still. I know Ramsdale's only about five point one, but five point three is still kind of mid range. And, and we've both been working with Sanchez and and with Ramsdale. And we both bought Ramsdale obviously when he was a lot cheaper. So. If obviously if you don't have Ramsdale or, or Sanchez, I'd be saying go for Saar. But if you do, then I wouldn't be making that change personally. Well, my big tip this week before the Chelsea change was buy Saar. That was going to be my my change, and I was going to do it for Ramsdale. Why? Ramsdale's about to run into Liverpool, so Arsenal are playing Liverpool soon. I don't want that match up with my three of my top players in my team. So I was looking at Saar this week because I think when you look at his numbers and his metrics. They're just crazy. So 5.3 again, you're right, you're right Haydard. Traditionally, sounds like a lot of money for a goalkeeper, doesn't it? But not for a goalkeeper that gets a clean sheet every other week. He's got 115 points this, this, this year. That's incredible. That's really elite. Now, you just talked about Ramsdale. He's done really well. It's 5.1 now, but came in at much lower than that when he went to Arsenal. And of course, Arsenal had that run of games, didn't they, where they had lots of clean sheets and that bumped him up. But I think at the moment, when you look at Wolves' remaining fixtures and the way Wolves are playing, it feels like a good swap out. 
you look, especially this week with the double game week, which is a favourable one for Wolves, that we talked about the defenders and I will probably, I, I will make a defensive change this week. But I think that goalkeeper change now, everyone's hot on Ramsdale and I've had Sanchez in my team for a long time. But now I'm looking at both of those two and wondering if they're about to run out of gas. The fixtures get a little bit more difficult, especially for Brighton as well. And the jump between 4.6 million and 5.3 now is not as horrific as it is at the start of the season when your your budgets are tighter. Now I've got money in the bank. I've got 2 million just sat there burning. So if I want to make uh, a, a transfer and exploit it, then I can. Sar's just done amazingly. I think you kind of look at his, um, his overall ranking there, third in the ICT index, 150th overall in FPL. It's stunning figures for a goalkeeper. And he's this year's Pope. You know, this year he's getting the clean sheets. He's getting all the star man performances. Um, and he's showing that he's a very, very progressive goalkeeper. I think one of the things that makes him attractive, and we're going to move on now to Wolves' defenders, is that you just know that Saar will play both games. And that's, uh, that's the key. You know, yeah. what they always say, you know, availability is, is you know, the best, sometimes the, the best thing that you can have, you know, in terms of, let's say, players always injured, being being available and being fit is, is the best thing. It doesn't matter how good you are. And with Saar, you know, he, he's guaranteed to start. And I think that's very, very key. <clears throat> Looking at some of the defenders though, that you could buy into, we've got Cody sitting there at the top with 101 points. Uh, very, very reasonable at 4.8. Roman Seiss offers you a fantastic threat in the opposition box. Um, and he's at 5 million as well. Samedo, my man, is on 4.8, but he is out. And uh, you can see Kilman as well, 4.6. He's he's played a lot this year, hasn't he, Kilman, to be fair? And um, he's a good option as well. 8 Nori, a lot of people probably will look to buy into 8 Nori, but he's in and out of the team. But again, look, he's very, very cheap at 4.4. Marcel had a great start to the season, but doesn't play as much. So, yeah, if you're looking at those options and comparing it to Sai, I definitely see your point. And actually, you know, I agree. I think that's a, it's a good strategy to have uh, with Wolves' defence, probably, especially the wide players, probably being a little bit, you know, sort of hit and miss. Yeah, it's a bit difficult with Wolves because they do rotate round and they have had injuries. So I think the natural one when everyone was fit, so I think Samada at 4.8, a wide player gets forward, attacking returns and defensive returns makes perfect sense. A budget at Nori, as you said there, 4.4, has played games up until recently, but then has been in and out a little bit. Marcel, who started the season and was the kind of wild card pick for people at 4.2 million, I think he started the season at 4 million, was perfect because he did start the season due to injuries and played very well and got assists and got clean sheets. So it's who do you go for now? So I think this is why Saar does come into the the, the conundrum of Wolves because you look along now, I, I always talk about wide players always with defence, uh, but Connor Cody, over the 100-point mark this season for 4.8 million. That's proper value. That really is 4.8. So if you were going to have a back a back five and you were going to have Cody as one of them, you're going to get clean sheets. You're going to get points. Sice is kind of, I think, the popular choice at 5 million, just a, a defender that can do a, a little bit of everything. At, but he's got almost, you know, he's got eight points less for the season than Cody. So... Kilman, and as you said as well, 4.6 million, really, really good value. I think all of these Wolves defenders are fantastic value for what is the second best defence in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm on the fence because I'd like to buy into the into the defence, um, but I'm not so sure. I'm looking at Marcel probably as the guy who's going to replace Semedo, and I think at 4.2, I think it's really great value. 
Let's move on now, though, to Wang. So I actually have uh, Raul Jimenez. Not really scored many goals this year. Obviously, he's come back from a very serious uh, head injury. So it's great to see him back. One of my favorite strikers, actually, before his injury. And uh, But he's not really offering the returns. And I believe he's he's over 7 million. So we're looking at Wang again. Scored a goal against Arsenal at 5.4. As you mentioned earlier on the show, sitting on your bench, you know, it wouldn't hurt you. It wouldn't, wouldn't burn your team. So, uh, yeah, is he definitely an option now to uh, to come back into people's sides? Definitely an option if you want to bring in a striker. So this is the whole thing about Wolves. They, they, are, they are weighted towards being defensively better when it comes to FPL. So this is why we've talked about defenders and we've talked about Saar. But if you're looking for something at the other end of the pitch, then look no further than Huang. He scored on his comeback the week before last I had him at the very start of the season and then he got injured, but he had a, a good little run. But he's just one of those players. That I think they're, he's going to thrive off the work Jimenez does. So Jimenez, you just said there, hasn't scored goals this season, coming back from a very, very difficult injury. But I think it's also style of play. So under um, Nuno, it was a much more kind of pragmatic attack, wasn't it? It was get the ball on the head of Jimenez or in front of Jimenez and you score some goals. That was really what they did. They're much more fluid now. They play much more in the channels and that's where Huang plays. That's where he plays. He goes to the left of the striker or the right and he's a really good finisher. At 5.4 million, th this is the whole thing about FPL this year, is that do not spend too much money on your strikers. There is no value in the striking department when you really dig deep in the numbers. So you take these little punts. So Jay Rodriguez, I took that punt, didn't quite work, but didn't really lose anything. Someone like Huang in a double, if he gets a goal in each game, you know, you're going to be getting a double-digit return for someone that's only 5.4 million. And like you highlighted, I'm fine with him sat on my bench as well. I'm not next week going to be too worried if I take him out of my team to bring, say, back in a Liverpool player or Man City player. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And uh, he's going to be an interesting option because obviously he has been out injured, but he will play. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Let's move on to another team that has uh, a double game week and good fixtures. And it is James Ward-Prowse. We both have uh, Broyo on our team. And uh, just looking at Ward-Prowse in comparison to his other midfield counterparts, you know, he is in the in the top midfielders this season, <clears throat> obviously, you see Mo Salah at the top. Bowen's been fantastic. Son actually surprisingly has a lot of points. Bruno as well has picked up of late. You've got the Liverpool duo of Mane Jota. Bernardo is great value, and though he hasn't really scored that many points lately, we had a great start to the season. When you go all the way down, Rob, Ward Prowse is offering great returns in great form as well. Five million, only owned by 8.7%, 6.5 million. He's definitely an option if you haven't bought in someone like Breuer. Well, when you look at Warpress's numbers in recent weeks and his attacking returns, they're all there for everyone to see. We know that he takes all the set pieces. You know, if it's a corner, Warpress is going to take it. If it's a free kick, Warpress is going to take it. I think he takes penalties as well. So he's always going to be that guy that can get you extra numbers by not really doing a lot. But he is doing a lot. So I think when you're looking at the uh, the price at 6.5 million, let's just compare him, say, to someone slightly higher, Son, who's in my team, who was my captain last week. Well, Ward Prass has only for the whole season got 33 points less. So if Ward Prass had two big scoring weeks, he would be in that top six or seven, wouldn't he? So I, I think that this here, we're talking about small margins. I think the Southampton's run of fixtures, it's a good double game week for them. The one thing I would 
kind of hold back on a little bit maybe is that now Southampton have got a blank game week. They didn't have a blank game week before in their run-ins um, and it looked a much more kind of solidified uh, schedule for them. I think at the moment, it, it, I think this is for people that are looking for that budget player, yeah, in the middle of the park. Someone who will play every week and will get you the odd man in the match performances and will get you assists coming out of his ears. Let's look at the bottom there again in terms of the numbers. Third for influence, second for creativity. So he he's right up there. And he was his every season. Every season, he's kind of a player that everyone sleeps on. And yet he still returns numbers. I he has see phases, Jay Rob. That's the thing with Ward-Prowse. He's obviously in a rich vein. Of he has purple patches. I think this is one of his purple yeah. patches. He, he's, he has purple patches. But do you know what? I think he's going to be a big club next year. I think next year, I think someone's going to pick him up in that top six. And he's one of these players that deserves a bigger stage. And I think at Southampton, what can you do when the players around you are only to a certain average? Well, you could have all the assists in the world. Like, I think he's probably got one of the best set pieces in Europe. He really has. But he's placed for Southampton. So if he had one of the best set pieces at, say, Man United... That might help us, wouldn't it, at our football club? So I think James Ward-Prowse is, is massively underrated. And I do think as well that we'll see him feature for England at the World Cup. Hey, he deserves it. He's had a really good season. Leeds. Leeds. Marcelo Bielsa out. Jesse Marsh in. Almost like for like in some ways. Uh, it, you know, it makes sense. I'm quite surprised that they... Did sack Bielsa now. I thought they might have just waited to the end of the season. Look, they're going to do everything to stay back in the league. I hope they go down. But um, <clears throat> new manager bounce. That is the question for today. Rafinha's had a really good season. Scored against United. Um, got, has, points have dried up a little bit. Dan James has had a couple of goals. And uh, it's doing all right. But when you're looking at their options there, I mean, Dallas was so good last season, wasn't he, Rob? And obviously, he was a defender. So, he's one of those cheat codes where you could put him in defence. And he was, he was playing <coughs> further forward. But um, is it time, possibly, if they're all pretty reasonably priced, maybe to take a punt? Because Leeds do have the new manager. They do have a double game week as well coming up. And they've got favourable fixtures. Or is it a little bit uh, premature to be doing something like that? A little bit premature. I think Leeds fans might want to have a punt. I don't think anyone else will. But we've highlighted them because they have got a really good run of fixtures. So um, I don't think these things are, are always planned. But I do think that Leeds felt that it was time to change the manager because they were just shipping goals like you wouldn't believe. We've all watched them recently. We've seen them against our club, Manchester United, and they were awful. Uh, and it's just been a really, really tough time for Bielsa and the end of an era for him there. But they still have good players. So if Jesse Marsh can come in and can find a formula quickly and have this new manager bounce, there are midfielders that it could work with. So just looking at the kind of the, the cross-section here, Dallas at 4.9 million might be a little sleeper hit towards the end of the season because he does get up the pitch well. It depends where the manager would want to play him. But I think at the very, very top there, we just talked about James Ward-Prowse at 6.5 million. Rafinha is a much more sexy signing, I think, for FPL managers at that price range. He's got over 100 points this season. He's uh, he's in that conversation of where, if he scores two, three or four goals, he's going to be in that top 10 of midfielders in the Premier League, isn't he, in terms of numbers? So I think it's a wait and see this week. Like We, we, we highlighted them because obviously Bielsa's gone and it's in the news and people are talking about the club. They've got good fixtures. But even down there, you know, you look at Klitsch, you look at um, uh, Harrison. Harrison obviously had a really good run, didn't he, a few weeks ago. He scored his hat-trick. 
And Dan James has been playing as a central striker. So as far as Leeds go when um, trying to get themselves on the front foot again, all of these players in the next week or two might have a bounce and you should be watching them just to see what happens. Let's move on now to the final part of the show, Rob. And this is your team for game week 28. You haven't actually made any transfers, but just looking and scanning over, you've got Livermento looking like a good buy-in actually for you with the, uh, the double game week. Ramsey, we both got him. He's got Southampton at home and then leads away. Uh, hopefully we'll get some returns there. Broyer as well with the same fixtures as Livermento. And you just, you have stuck with Dennis, haven't you? So what are you thinking about doing this week? I mean, look, obviously you're going to captain Salah because it is Mo Salah, but uh, any changes? We've mentioned the Chelsea players. Uh, what are you thinking? Well, I'm going to captain Salah for pretty much every game to the end of the season now. That's it. Unless he breaks a leg or something and doesn't play or, you know, something awful happens for him, then uh, then he'll be out of my team. So I would change that. But I think when you look at the shape of my team, my 4-4-2, this is the balance I think managers need to get between the double game week, the future game weeks, and, and now beyond. You know, so how do you negotiate through that sticky period of, of two lots of double game weeks coming, so this week and next week, then the blank, which is going to hurt managers, but then looking forward even past that. So what could I do? The reason why I've not done any transfers yet is I've only got one this week, so I'm going to have to make it count. So what could I do? So I kind of hinted at it just a minute ago, but I'll talk you through it. I'm thinking of selling one of those goalkeepers who have done me really well this year, and bringing in Saar. That's a potential one of those signings there. When I look at what I've got in my back four, Cancelo, Livermento, Robertson, uh, Alexander-Arnold, I'm happy. I don't want to change that. But Laporte might be the guy I sacrifice. Do I sacrifice him for a Chelsea defender? Well, that's what I'm feeling now. You know, That's because City have got these not bad game weeks, but they've got these blanks coming up and they're not, they haven't got any doubles as it stands. And there's always that chance, isn't there, that Laporte gets rotated out for John Stones. There's always that chance with, with Pep. So that, that worries me a little bit. But when I look through my midfield and my attack, you can see there's plenty of double game weeks there, double game week for Ramsey, for Broyer and for Dennis. Dennis is on a tightrope at the moment, one more yellow card and he's out and he'll be suspended. So do not be surprised as he's playing for me that, Against Arsenal, he gets booked and then he's out for the uh, the Wolves game. But I think when you look at my bench as well, Bowen's a player that's been on my team ever since he came in. He's had a fantastic time, but he's playing Liverpool. So there's that conflict. So I want to keep Bowen, obviously, because I want West Ham, uh, want West Ham players in my team because of where they are in the league. And he'll come back into my setup later. Right at the end of the bench, Jay Rodriguez against Chelsea. He's still my score against Chelsea now. But if I'm going to go and buy a Chelsea defender, which is probably what I will do, then I'm not really interested in Jay Rodriguez being a part of this week's formula. But this shows, I think, here, you know, some managers will go mad. Haydar, bin 12 points, so they've got double game weeks for every player. And you just don't need it because if Liverpool do well against West Ham, you would expect those guys still to get you the hub of your points. Son has only got one game against a really bad Everton defence. Foden scored last week. Manchester United are a little bit scatterbrained, aren't they? You just don't know what's going to happen there. And with Cancelo, he gets clean sheets, he gets assists, he does everything. So again, even though it's individual games for all of those players, I'm more than happy to have it in my team this week, despite it being a double game week. Absolutely. And guys, look, tweet us your teams. Uh, we, we will obviously release them. Tweet them under the tweet that you see here. 
um, of the show. We want to discuss your teams. You got any questions for Rob as well? Who should bring in? Who should bring out? And uh, we will be back as well for the masterclass. Rob, Rob, when is the masterclass and where can the listeners find it? Well, we'll be doing the masterclass hopefully on after weekend. So when Man United play on a Sunday, we will be doing it on a Monday. There'll be the odd occasion where United are playing on Saturdays, obviously, and we'll try and do them on Sunday. But we're always going to try and do it the day after now because that gives myself time to kind of look at the analytics and dig down a little bit more. It gives you and me time, like 24 hours, to plan the show. And we feel that the shows are better the day after. We do know that lots of you prefer a post-match show. So we will do the odd one now and then. But I think the masterclass itself needs to be really the following day. It just means you get a better masterclass and it gives us that little bit of time to prep for it. Absolutely. I can echo that as well. Guys, as always, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Give us a retweet as well if you see this on Twitter. Give us a follow on at TF Masterclass. Give myself a follow on at Hader underscore Robani. And give Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. Don't burn your chips this week. Don't go too crazy on the transfers. Good luck. And we'll see you all next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.